Hey everybody, welcome to church. My name is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor here at Trinity, and we are thankful to have you join us here for our online service. I want to say happy Easter as we remember together that we're in the midst of the great 50 days, this season of feasting and celebration that is Easter. It's more than one day, church. It's a big season. So we would encourage you to live into the resurrection over these next weeks. Before I read from Revelation 3, I want to have an opportunity to share a celebration with a, a request. Um, we are pumped that beginning today, we're doing kids ministry here on the west side for our babies all the way through fifth graders. And this is a big deal. We've, we've reawakened our kids ministry. And to all of you who have volunteered, thank you. It's amazing to see more kids in our building still engaging in safe and socially distanced ways, but being taken care of while moms and dads are out there in the parking lot. We do have a request though. Um, we need volunteers. If you are at all interested in volunteering, we need your help to get back to where we were, to be able to take care of our kids. We need you, uh, members of our church, to do that. So visit our website, atltrinity.org. Go to the West Side page and you'll see opportunities to serve in our kids' ministry. It would mean so much to us and to the kids and our families if you would do that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to read beginning in verse 14 through to the end of the chapter. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I prosper. I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask now for your grace to help us to listen to the word today. God, we confess to you that the book of Revelation for many of us is confusing. It's, it's hard to know what to do with it, Lord. Today, we pray that you would give us insight into the Laodicean church and how we might receive truth from this word. We bless you now. We thank you, God, for your presence and your help. And we ask, God, that you would remind us in all of this that we are Easter people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there are a few things that I want to share with you today, and I think God has something for us here. And so we're going to walk through this passage, just trying to mark some spaces and some ideas that will help us better understand what the Lord might have for us, what he might be saying to us. Here's the first thing. Hot is good. Cold is good. Lukewarm, not good. And many of you have probably, if you've spent some time in church, you've heard something about being a lukewarm Christian I think we need to know a little bit about the town of Laodicea, this area, in order to get what John the Revelator was actually trying to say and write as he was using these words and hearing this word from the heart of the resurrected Jesus, from God's heart. 
Laodicea was a really wealthy city. And just outside the town, there were hot springs. And so because of that, this town grew up as a kind of medicinal healing town. People would from all over the place go to the hot springs. Um, and because of that, it became a destination place. And so the word here about being lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, is essentially saying water that's flowed out of the hot springs and has come across into town and you try to drink it, you think it's cold and refreshing, but it's just tepid water and you spit it out of your mouth. It's not useful. And so essentially what God is saying here to you and to me, as he was saying to the church in Laodicea, is either be hot and be a healing agent or be cold and be a refreshing agent. But when you live in that tepid middle, you're no longer useful like God wants you to be useful. And so he's speaking a word to a group of Christians who had lost their way. And as I think about us today, many of us probably, if we're honest, would say that we Christians in the wider landscape have lost our way. We're not as useful for healing. We're not as useful for refreshing. We live in this kind of tepid middle place. And what I hear when God says, when you're neither hot nor cold, is that God is saying you were designed to be useful. And when you live in the kind of murky middle, you lose your effectiveness. And y'all, at the end of the day, the Lord wants you and me to be useful. I remember hearing John Wimber, who was the founder of the vineyard. He, he once, I think, really brilliantly, creatively quipped, we are all change in God's pocket, and he can take us out of his pocket and spend us however he wants. And the thing about being change in God's pocket is that we're useful. We're meant to be spent, if you will. And what's happened to the church in Laodicea is they've lost their way. They're neither healing nor refreshing. They're in the kind of murky middle. And so I would just ask you today, are there places in your life where you're living in the murky middle, where you've not really been as useful in these last days or months, or maybe even over the last year as you would long to be? Hear the word of the Lord. He longs for you to be useful to him and to other people. And one of the things that I think a passage like this gets me to thinking about is that the way we live and the way we're experienced by God and other people has a lot to do with the trajectory of our heart and our lives. And so when the Lord looks at the Laodicean church, he's challenging them to look at their trajectory and to consider how they're being experienced by God and by other people. Here's the second thing that he says. The word of the Lord comes saying, don't be lukewarm. And then the next thing the Lord says is we have to learn to recognize our neediness. Now, one of the great challenges with the Laodicean church was that they were wealthy. They were affluent. And so they had insulated themselves, like many of us, from our neediness. But here's the kicker, y'all. We're all vulnerable. Possessions don't truly ultimately insulate us from vulnerability. And yet, like the Laodicean church, we can sometimes maybe fall victim to the lie and say, I don't need anything. I have everything I need. See, affluence and status are able to blind us from our ultimate neediness, from an awareness of our poverty, if you will. And you may not feel like you are experiencing poverty at the moment. And yet it doesn't change the fact that you and me, that we are vulnerable and so for the Laodicean church, they were essentially looking to possess things in an effort to insulate themselves. And the Lord was saying, I want to push through that and I want you to recognize your neediness. And so I would just ask you this question. When was the last time you were aware of your vulnerability? 
When was the last time maybe that you acknowledged your sinfulness? It's one of the things the Lord is putting his finger on in me lately is, is to acknowledge sin in my life when it pops up and to begin to hold it open before God and other trusted people and acknowledge my own poverty, if you will, my own need. See, I think that one of the most important things that you can engage, that we can engage as the people of God is to possess a right estimation of ourselves, to not be defensive or guarded when it comes to our poverty, our sin, our brokenness, but to be able to hold those things before the Lord. And one of the things God does in this passage is he says, I want you to acknowledge your wretchedness, your brokenness, your sinfulness. But if we leave it there, then we're just a mess, right? We just say, well, I'm a mess and God knows it and I know it and my friends know it. And that's not where this story ends. See, the third thing that we're meant to see in this passage is that we are meant as Christians to seek satisfaction in God, not in material possession, not in status, but God. And he gives us three ideas here. He says, buy from me gold, Buy from me and receive from me white clothing, clean clothing, and buy from me and receive from me salve for your eyes so that you can see. And I think those three things actually give us a real clue into what God wants to do for us. See, there is a strong sense here that Christians in the ancient world, just like us today, have a tendency to look elsewhere for satisfaction, to look to temporal things, to meet our needs and to make us feel okay or to make us feel safe and secure. And yet what God says is you look there and it'll never get the job done. I want you to look to me. And I believe that one of the most important invitations for us is to acknowledge that we look to money, sex, food, entertainment, our physical health to make us feel safe. But those things are always fleeting. And maybe if a year of pandemic has taught us anything, it's that those things don't actually protect us in ultimate ways or give our hearts a sense of well-being. And so the Lord says, I want you to learn to look to me. And so I want to ask you this question. How are you doing with regard to learning to look away from things that will not satisfy so that you can see a God who will ultimately satisfy us? See, this is where I believe that resurrection, this principal theme of Easter, can teach us that there is life to be found in God. Jesus lived and died and conquered death and emerged victoriously out the other side. And that means that you and me can experience real and true life. That we can be renewed in our very heart. A number of months ago, uh, my wife and I launched a, a, a podcast and, and post-pandemic, uh, an opportunity for the two of us to lead retreats and to do spiritual direction called Renewing the Center. And the, the concept behind Renewing the Center is just this. It's how can we experience God's renewal at the very heart, at the very core of our lives? Y'all, he wants you to learn to be satisfied in him. So let's listen to those three things that are on offer. Gold. He wants us to find real value and worth. He wants us to find real security and satisfaction, not in other things, but in him. He wants us to be able to place the whole weight of our life on him. He also says, I want you to receive from me clean clothing. And I love the idea of clean clothing because it speaks to us of the fact that God wants you and me to be pure. And y'all, one of the great tragedies in our modern Christian world is that holiness carries with it a kind of severe, unhappy connotation. That we think of holy people as miserable people who are grimly following all the rules. Y'all, holiness is, is, is more, should be more seen as wearing clean clothing, 
feeling like you are um, living your life prepared and that you're clean. God wants to give you clean clothes. He wants your life to not be filled with things that feel like they need to be hidden. He wants you to be the kind of person who increasingly has little to nothing to hide. And only God can do that. And thirdly, he says, I want to give you salve for your eyes. And I love that picture that the Lord is the only one who's able to open up our eyes to truly see reality. Reality, y'all. Reality is the only place where you can meet God. See, one of the things that we believe, I think, that get in the way of our, our spiritual growth is we believe that if we can just pretend, if we can live in fantasy, that we'll be okay. If we can just stick our head in the ground and, as they say, you know, denial doesn't help us grow. It doesn't help us to, to really encounter God. So if we live in fantasy or we live in the past thinking, you know, if things were just like they used to be, and I hear too many Christians these days wanting to get back to the good old days, wanting to get back to kind of a circle the wagons and fear of the way culture is and not see that God's working and God can move and God can speak to us. Y'all, we don't need to live in the past or in the fantasy of the future. We need to live in this moment so that our eyes are able to see what's really going on. Y'all, God is working all around you, but you have to have eyes to see. And one of the things that Jesus says is, I want to give you salve to heal the blindness so that you can actually see. The Lord wants you to have eyes that see not only temporal reality, but are able to see spiritual reality. That's one of his gifts he wants to give you and me. The fourth thing we see in this passage is this. God initiates opportunities for life change in the hearts of those he loves. I love where this passage ends. He says, I love you, so I will discipline you so that you would grow. Here's where we see that we're not treated as workers or slaves. We're treated as daughters and sons. And daughters and sons actually go through and experience rebuke and correction in order to be formed into the image of the family. And to me, it's such a hopeful thing that we hear in these last words. And I'm going to read these words again. This is where I want to leave you because I think we need to hear Jesus here. Jesus says, see, listen, I stand at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and will eat with you and you with me. See, the invitation here is for you to experience a kind of intimate friendship and fellowship with God. That's the offer that's the spirit of Easter. That's the invitation in front of you and me. That we would exchange our blindness and our dirtiness. That we would exchange all of those things where we've looked elsewhere for something that could never satisfy. And that at the end of the day, the picture we have in this passage is of sharing an intimate meal with Jesus. He wants you and me to be changed. And he doesn't change us by pushing information into our heads he exchanges us by sharing a meal with us by sitting in intimate space with us but for you to experience intimacy with Jesus you have to learn how to pay attention see we'll miss so much of what God has if we're busy and distracted if we're hurried and worried we miss the invitations we like so many of us will walk right past the burning bushes we'll miss Jesus's invitation to come close to us and so what does it look like for you to pay attention <clears throat> I remember being in England before the pandemic and 
being in St. Paul's Cathedral, which is one of my favorite places in the world. It's a, a beautiful old church that in the middle of that church, there's a painting by a man named Holman Hunt, and it's called Light of the World. I would encourage you to Google it and see the painting. And I, I commend this painting to you, not because I think the art itself is so beautiful. I, I probably prefer artistic styles, uh, different ones relative to Holman Hunt's. And yet this is a painting of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And it was interesting because when the painting was published, people critiqued the painting. They said, this guy doesn't even know how doors work. There's no door knob, no handle on the outside. It shows Jesus standing at a door that's overgrown with briars and he's knocking. He's got a lantern. It's nighttime. And when Hunt was asked why he omitted a doorknob on the outside, he said, because the only way for the door to open is from the inside. Jesus can't and won't kick your door down. You have to learn how to open your life up to him. And the longer I live my life in God, the more I realize that Jesus is always knocking and yet I'm the only one who can give him access to my intimate space. He wants access, but he will not force himself on you. And it's one of the things I love most about Jesus, but what it does is it actually puts the volitional responsibility on us to learn how to open up our lives. And so I think there's an opportunity for you, you and me, we have to create space to listen so that we would open up. So are you listening? Are you willing to open up? I want to put a couple of questions in front of us for our consideration. And if you are on your own, this will be an opportunity to journal. And if you're with a group, this might be an opportunity, depending on your comfort level with these friends, to be honest in discussion. But before I share these, I want to say this. If you are worshiping in the Atlanta area and want to receive communion, you can come to the church during business hours all week and receive communion kids. If this is your church, it's an opportunity for you to give to support our mission, and you can go to our website to give. But if you're a guest or you're checking us out from far away, and a lot of people are, we're hearing those stories, and we've been so encouraged by that, we just want to say everything's taken care of. We're just super glad that you're being encouraged by this content. There's nothing expected of you whatsoever. Here's some thoughts. Number one, considering what it meant for the Laodiceans, what does lukewarm look like in your life right now? What does it mean for you to neither be hot and healing or cold and refreshing, but just sort of in the murky middle? I think it would be good for us to reflect on that. Number two, where in your current life, where are you tempted to turn in your search for comfort and security? What are your go-tos? I know what mine are. What are yours? And number three, and, and most importantly, what might it look like for you to open the door to Jesus? If the knob is only on your side of the door, what does it look like for you to open up to Jesus in a new way right now? These are very important thoughts. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to ask for God's presence to come as we go from this place. And so please join me praying with the boldness of children, the words Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.
We'll see you when we see you. Amen.